happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Today, we are launching Multi-Site Month with an incredible interview with my friend Daniel Im. Love, love, love this guy. Fantastic conversation today. Listen, I want to remind you to go to multisitevideos.com where you can sign up for a free three-part video series that we're launching on October 23rd. This series is all about multi-site, helping you uh, launch, think about multi-site. The first video is called The Biggest Mistakes Churches Are Making When Launching Campuses, and I let you in behind the scenes of 13 launches. It's really a fantastic free resource. You can get it by going to multisitevideos.com or just text multi-site videos, all one word, to 44222. Listen, I also want to remind you that today's episode is brought to us by our good friends at Remodel Health. Listen, this is the time where you need to be renewing. I know many of us are feeling that pressure right now. You should talk to Remodel Health. Are you tired of skyrocketing healthcare costs for your church staff with rate increases and changes in insurance laws? It is crazy hard to keep up with. The folks over at Remodel Health want to help your church. They have a very innovative solution. In fact, I literally just talked to a church uh, that cut their um, their healthcare costs in half by going with Remodel Health. You could put those resources towards ministry rather than towards the cost of healthcare. Listen, we know that this is an important piece of the puzzle for acquiring and keeping a great staff, for ensuring that they're enjoying working at your church to, to, to reduce some pressure on them. So what I want you to do is I want you to visit remodelhealth.com forward slash unseminary to learn more and to download their free buyer's guide. That's Remodel modelhealth.com forward slash unseminary. All right, well, let's jump in with this first episode of Multi-Site Month here at Unseminary. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Are you looking for practical ministry help to drive your ministry further, faster? Have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of others in pursuit of stuff that we wish they had taught in seminary. Buckle up and let's get started with this week's Unseminary Podcast. Hey friends, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Super excited to have you uh, along for the ride, particularly this month as we're in multi-site month. We're taking an entire month uh, to talk to some dear friends and folks that I really um, they just think in this space are have a lot to offer, and today is no exception. Super excited to have Daniel M on. He is uh, there's a lot that Daniel is, but there's a couple different things. He's an author and teaching pastor uh, at the Fellowship uh, Church in. Uh, Nashville. He's the founder and director of Church Multiplication for NewChurches.com. That's a part of the whole Lifeway Christian Resources. Uh, he also has a killer kind of his own personal podcast with his wife. He's an amazing guy, plus all that to boot. He's a Canadian uh, living in America, so you got to love him. So Daniel, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Rich. It's great to be on. Well, when you agreed to do this, I felt like I, it was like I got, you know, just like a golden guest. So I am super <laughs> excited to have you. This is a good thing. So well, one of the things I want to – well, first of all, before we get started, um, why don't you kind of give people the the two-minute Daniel M. story, you know, how what, what kind of gives a bit more about your background, fill in a little bit of the, the color there, and then we'll jump in. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So married, three kids, grew up in Vancouver, and growing up there – uh, lived there pretty much until college and um, ended up moving out to Ottawa after meeting Christina on a mission trip with Campus Crusade for Christ. We did long distance dating for a year and then decided, 
hey, I think I'm going to marry this girl and didn't want to base the whole thing on long distance. So transferred out there and upon graduating, started uh, started ministry, started pastoring. So um, first in a church plant in Ottawa and then a church plant over in Montreal. Then we went over to Korea for a couple of years. And Montreal is where it was a church plant, helped them launch their first campus in Korea, it was just, you know, dime a dozen mega churches doing doing multi-site over there and mm-hmm. came back to Canada, uh, was in Edmonton for four years doing discipleship. A lot of the a lot of what I wrote in No Silver Bullets comes out of that context there and mm-hmm. and kind of just testing and looking at the research, putting it into practice. And so that's a lot of that uh, lab basically of, of what happened. And there's a lot of multi-site um, helping the church with the multi-site strategy, just really trying to figure out this tension of multi-site and church planting. Mm-hmm. And then for the last four and a half years have been in Nashville the the basically what brought us down was Lifeway said hey so Ed Stetzer Eric Geiger and Todd Atkins was they th- this was the proposition they were like hey what would it look like if Lifeway were to begin resourcing multiplication mm-hmm. so they were specifically looking for someone with background both in church planning and in multi site so. Yeah, it's kind of a God thing as to how it came about. I mean, I didn't even know Lifeway existed five and a half years ago. So, <laughs> I mean, I've met some people. That's who not are possible. Like, yeah. It's, I mean, five and a half years ago, I mean, I since moving down, I've met people who are like their dream job is to work at Lifeway. And literally growing up in Canada, I had no idea that this behemoth existed. Just not growing up within Baptist or Southern Baptist circles at all. So yeah, moved down and basically started this thing called newchurches.com and uh, did a lot of, have done a lot of podcasting and speaking and writing and consulting out of it. Cool. Yeah. So this is, uh, people who are listening in probably get a sense of why I wanted to make sure I have Daniel on. One of the, the, the questions that seem to come up all the time is really this in the, in the whole area of multiplication, I'll kind of phrase it how people, you know, and this, I would say this question I've had for 15 years, people have come to me with this question because I've really just been on the multi-site side and um, you know, church leaders will come to me and say like, Hey, we're thinking about either church planting or doing multi-site. We don't think we can do both. Uh, And you know, what do you think? What should we do? And, and so I, you know, kind of talk about that, but I really would want to talk through kind of your experience on that front. What would churches, what kind of churches seem to be succeeding at doing, you know, both or doing one or the other? How are people thinking about those? You know, how, how do these two interact with each other? Um, I'd love to, you know, have that conversation. What, what are you seeing as people yeah. think about kind of this as a, a way to think about multiplication? Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. I mean, this is a lot of what I like speaking and writing on because, uh, I mean, and this is how I want to answer the question is because we just need to know our current context and what we think normal is. Mm. Because depending on your circle of where you went to Bible college, seminary, if you did, uh, or if you like which church circles or conferences you go to, oftentimes you're either going to be influenced uh, probably at an unconscious level toward multi-site or toward church planting. Right. And both are great. Both are, I mean, if you've read your Bible, right, the Great Commission, <laughs> right, yes. Matthew 20 right. and also John 20, 21. Yeah, we need to be sent. We need to go out. This The lost world needs to know Jesus. But how do we do that? Well, church planting, multi-site, I mean, it's both work. 
both work and and some work better. Some strategies work better in certain contexts than others. And and in other instances, you look at it and you're like, you have no idea why one works or one doesn't. So I think we just need to start with what is normal for us. What is uh, who 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 are the people that we look up to ministry wise, uh, pastorally, and what do they advocate? Because a lot of times that's what dictates what that normal is. Yeah, that's cool. I know for me, I've as I've kind of thought through that question, a lot of times I'll, in a similar kind of way, bounce the question back to the person asking and say, well, and talk about the who. Who are you thinking about, you know, kind of helping with this multiplication or leading this multiplication effort? Because I, you know, I think both church planting and um, multi-site, obviously, our subset ideas are approaches to multiplication and obviously cheer for churches who are looking to multiply. I think every church should be looking to multiply or most churches should be looking to multiply. There's maybe yeah. some up there that shouldn't. Um, but, you know, it comes down to kind of what is the impetus of the people. So I, I look at it and say church planters, people who – and 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 test me on this. Alex, maybe, the, maybe I'm thinking about this incorrectly. I think about church planters as entrepreneurial leaders who have a – they typically have some sort of like they're, they want to test a new approach or maybe a new model or a different model than the church that's sent, sending them out. There's something different about what they want to do. And they also are going maybe into a different community. They could be going into the same community, but maybe a different community. So it's like a new model in a new community with then a new leader where often I think on the the multi-site side, it's, 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 it's saying, hey, we'd like to take the same model or a very similar model to what we're doing and transplanting that into a new community. Um, but, but really there, the, the impetus of the leader or the impetus of what we're saying is more around, Hey, how do we replicate what's happening here rather than dreaming up uh, a new model? Um, yeah, what do you think about that? How is that? A, is there some nuance there about how we should be thinking about this issue? Yeah. Well, I mean, one of the things when people, when non multi-site people or non-multi-site churches tend to view multi-site, they look at it through the lens completely of video, mm-hmm. right? And and a lot of, of the big name multi-site churches are video. But when you look at um, at just the variety of multi-site churches there are, a lot, a lot of churches are doing video, but so are, you know, there are that many churches that are doing live teaching and others that are doing hybrid models. So when, when you look at it from that perspective, I really do feel like it's this it's this, it's this notion. Maybe you're in a second chair role in your church, and uh, maybe the only path forward you see to leading or to going out and to living out this entrepreneurial edge is to plant a church, because maybe you don't want to wait around to uh, do succession, right? Mm. But maybe if let's say a multi-site church came and said, "Hey, would you like to be our campus pastor?" Maybe they would actually want to do that. It's just that they don't have the opportunity to do so or the or mm-hmm. the connections. Mm-hmm. Right. So I know this one campus pastor who he was like, you know, I wanted to plant a church, but I ended up being a campus pastor here because I just knew how much more learning I needed to to just go through. I just needed I just knew that I needed more experience. Now I could have he could have gone out and planted a church and there's a lot of helps out there, but knowing how he wanted to basically 10 exit, <laughs> you know, and if you're entrepreneurial and you have a passion to reach the lost, oftentimes being a campus pastor can accelerate that um, and and it 
really pour a lot of octane into that your entrepreneurial energy compared to a church plant. Hmm. And why why would that be? Why do you think there's kind of more of that kind of octane in that on that side, or could be? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, here's the thing, right? I mean, when you look at every church, every church has a pretty, I mean, we all have the same vision. It's just worded differently, right? Great commission, Mm -hmm. great commandment. Mm -hmm. So in terms of how you get to that, well, we have the strategy that gets us there, which is our leadership pipeline and our discipleship pathway that gets us there. Well, what differs one church from the other ultimately are are the values or the culture. So -hmm. when you think about one church to another, there isn't really that much difference or there shouldn't really be that much difference DNA wise. It's just, what are your values that are causing you to emphasize one thing over the other? Mm. So for a church planter uh, and, and you know, one of the other things, Rich, is that we're really moving away from this Superman pastor, this, right, this one person true. who can do everything. Mm-hmm. Right. And even in our culture where we're encouraged to, with, you know, the, the, the popularity of the Enneagram, understand our core motivations, understand right. our weaknesses. And that's a, that was a really hard thing for me to wrestle through being a finder guy. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I hate this stuff, but it's valid, right? And the more my wife and I are going through Enneagram coaching, because we're just so fascinated by it. And, and every time we go to one of our sessions, we're just like, oh, my goodness, this hurts so much, but it helps. Right. And and it's so helpful because, man, well, I, I, I'm now really understanding not just what I'm strong at, but what I'm weak at and what I need to manage even better. So when it comes to church planting versus multi-site, the benefit of it is, hey, you might not be a rock star and have a ton of passion and a ton of experience in all these other areas. But if you want to see the lost reach and you have leadership giftings, and you are um, you you have a level of charisma around you, where to to a point where you can attract people and and motivate people and lead people, then maybe it might actually be uh, you might actually be able to live out more and operate more in your strengths by campus pastoring versus church planting. Hmm. Yeah, I know one of the things I've said in other contexts is I think um, folks who have done campus pastor have done or not, have done church planting make great campus pastors and in fact one of the greatest examples and <laughs> one of the I would say a pain point that I have felt about multi-site uh, has been the acquisition of campus pastors over oh, the years yeah. and I've said this in other contexts like it's it's probably the the part of the equation that I feel the most kind of personal ouch oh my goodness that's taken so much time effort and energy and money to to make happen and and one of those you know the statistics that's out there it that now it shows that eighty seven percent of all multi site campus pastors are coming from the church within. Well, I can tell you in the 13 churches that I've been a part of the launch of, um, we haven't found 87% of them internally. We spent a lot of time trying to attract them from other churches. And so in some contexts, I've said, you know what, and, and I actually have seen this with multiple campus pastors, the great uh, campus pastors can be people who, frankly, were in a a church plant, either as the church planter or maybe as like a second seat person, and it, it didn't work out or there was like a problem or something didn't, you know, happen right. And so uh, one of our campus pastors at Liquid, a great guy, was had that scenario. Actually had a – he co-church planted 
And it was a, a really actually super sad situation in the end. Actually, the, the person he co-church planted with ended up um, getting cancer and dying. Oh, no. Um, and, you know, wow. he tried to – he was kind of the operations, you know, the kind of the second seat guy, although they were they were sharing the leadership of it. But that was more kind of how he was leaning on it. And the, the, the person, the individual who passed away, that guy, he was kind of the communicator person. And um, journeying through that whole experience and, you know, un- unfortunately, in the end, you know, the church decided to fold and all that. And a few years later, you know, we ended up connecting and he ended up as a campus pastor. And um, it was it was like it was like explosion in the campus. Literally, that campus, you know, went to like eight, nine hundred people under his leadership, exploded under his leadership. And a part of that was because I think he had seen some of the stuff that it takes to make, uh, you know, church planting happen. And and I, I've always been struck by that, that it's like, I think multi-site can take a leader who maybe on their own would lead, would, their lid would be, I don't know, X, a couple hundred people, 300 mm-hmm. people, 400 people. But actually multi-site has a way of expanding their lid because of all the resources that are brought to it. Now, obviously we're seeing, like you said, more and more kind of group you know, church planting scenarios where it's not either we're not looking for the superhero to you know lead the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, but but seeing that in that one context to me has said, hey, that's a there, there's a great um I know I always valued his leadership having seen church planting up front. I think it gave us a real positive edge in that particular campus. When you think about you know campus pastors, what are some of the things that maybe how would you nuance the role difference between the two or maybe what are some things you're seeing as kind of great um you know, kind of ask or maybe enneagrams or great, uh, you know, kind of trait of campus pastors that seem to be working well across uh, different churches. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, either whether you're, whether in a multi-site church, whether you're preaching or not, right, whether there's video or you're doing live preaching and depending on the rhythm of all that, regardless of that, campus pastors need to be competent in communication, right? right? I didn't, now there's two components to that. There's obviously the public communication via preaching, but let's say you are doing live preaching, then yeah, I mean, that's going to be a huge part of the role. Uh, But let's say you're not doing live preaching, or maybe you're only live preaching a few handful times a year. Well, then you need to be the primary communicator slash host of that campus because you're, you are that face, right? You are that in, in that place. So there's huge public communication gifts on the one hand, but on the other hand, the thing about multi-site, right? I mean, and Rich, you know this, how important communication is mm-hmm. for a multi-site church to succeed. And, and when a church considers, should we do multi-site? Should we do church planting? Should we do both or either or? Right. Honestly, if you don't have someone who can think like a supply chain manager, <laughs> right. and if you don't have someone who is just so passionate about communicating and never gets bored saying the same thing, obviously in different ways, but because that's ultimately what it feels like, you need to so over communicate within a multi-site context that you get bored of what you're saying. You're like, how do people still not get this? Right, but you need to be such a passionate communicator and an over communicator in that way because because most of us just get bored of our ideas and we under communicate or we, we we assume that everyone understands what we said, but even though we said something, did they hear what we said? Right, 
right? Do they hear it the same way? So that's where I, why most churches, I would actually lead them toward church planting as it relates to multiplication, because a lot of these skills, and this is why I love what you do at Unseminary, are just not taught in seminary. Right, right, right. They're just, they're just, so, so that's why for a lot of churches, it's like, actually, if you are going to multiply, I would always prefer that you church plant unless I view their team and look at their team and see who they have around them and see the unique gifting of the lead pastor and be like, okay, actually, uh, they have what it takes to do that. So that's why I think around the world, particularly in the West here, there's a lot of churches that have one or two campuses mm-hmm. that shouldn't. But, right. they, uh, okay. but they're multi-site because that was the thing to do or that's who they look up to. Yeah, that's good. I like that pushback there. I, I do think that they're... Uh, the first phase of this, when I was talking to people 15 years ago about multi-site, I, I felt like people, a lot of people were calling and, you know, I was telling them the experience we were having and I felt like I, I was saying, you should do this. Like, uh, you know, if your church is growing, you should do that, which is kind of still my default. But I do say I would have more conversations in the last, say, five years with churches mm-hmm. who uh, who have got into it and now are like, oh my goodness, what did we do? Um, you know, we're not sure. It's that classic. They they went from one to two and are stuck. They yes. don't have a system to get to three or four. I don't think – in fact, I actually think this is one of – and I've said this in other contexts as well. I think one of the greatest shames kind of in the, in the body of Christ. I never heard – a multi-site church get up when they were going to launch into this, when they were one location and say, our plan is to launch one campus and three years from now to still be at one other campus. Like no one ever said that. Everybody launched the like, we're going to do one campus, you know, a year for the next five years, or we're going to do, you know, a campus within a campus in every County or like one campus within 30 minutes of everybody in the Metroplex. Like, um, and, but what had happened was we got stuck. Uh, and why do you think that is? What, what do you think? Do you think it's just the leadership, you know, thing, or are there other things that are holding people back from the multiplication? Man, it's why, it's why interviews, um, it's why most people can't do or don't do interviews that well. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> because, yeah, because you're, I mean, you can spend like 20, 30 minutes with someone or you could even spend an hour or two with someone and feel like you know who they are because you have assumed, you've kind of cut conversations short or you went to the next thing or you chase squirrels and rabbits and you didn't, you didn't get underneath the, the surface. Right. So there's an especially if you uh, run in the same circles or you're reading the same books and uh, yeah, went to similar words. types of Bible colleges or seminars or whatnot. Right? I mean, you're yeah. you can pretty much speak the same speak, but when it comes down to values, deeper values and and culture, that's where it just there's a lot of there can be a lot of disagreement. So when it comes to multi-site, I mean, just think about a church that started another campus. They have another campus pastor. Uh, you know, we don't even, even need to go to how difficult it was to stream, you know, 10, 15 years ago right. or do the whole video thing. Now it's gone easier, but, you know, that's a whole nother issue. But just when it comes to operations, so in between Sundays, so Monday to Saturday, how do the campuses run? Because a lot of times, right, and I and I feel like this is the big rub. It's a big church that's run out of room, and they start another campus where there's a lot of people from their church. Mm-hmm. Never gets to the same size as that big, you know, quote unquote mothership that a lot of multi-site churches understand what it means, but they don't like using, right? Right. <laughs> um, but it never becomes that. So ultimately, there's a lot of these multi-site churches that have a thousand-person plus mega church 
or you know 2000 plus or it's been operating for years for decades even and then you have this 150 200 person church plant right and that's where the rub lies right so the the biggest rub is okay now you have this campus pastor and let's say they're not preaching right so this is the rub of the senior pastor of this mega church that's typically been there for years right look at all that i'm doing i'm still preaching Mm-hmm. Look at all that I'm leading and the size of this ministry. And now look at this campus. This guy's not even preaching. Right? This and and how You're can he push not- it on the pain points? <laughs> He's yeah. not even preaching and he can't grow his campus. Yes. What's the deal with that? What's why is he leveraging? Why is he using the discipleship pastor at my campus that's in charge of two thousand people when he's in charge of two hundred? Yes. Yes. So then you just have all of these assumptions. You have all of this lack of communication. And then all the way out there in left field, you have this campus pastor who's like, "Man, I wish I was more supported. Why don't I feel like why, why aren't I getting this sort of airtime and the air you know that the big campus is going to? And if only we had a building. If only we had another staff member. If only I had the opportunity to preach. If only such such such. Then then we would blow it out of the waters. But even when they get that, it doesn't work because mm-hmm. that's not actually the solution. Yeah, I love that. You know, I literally two months ago got a phone call uh, from a lead pastor who said, um, Rich, I'd, I'd, what is my campus pastor supposed to be doing with their time? Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to say to them. Like, I, I don't know how. I, and it was exactly that scenario. You know, church, mm-hmm. 50,000 people, can't, the campuses underperforming and they were like, I'm, I don't know what to say. Like, I don't, I actually don't know how to tell them how to spend their time. And so when you, you know, so we got on the phone and we pulled apart where they're spending their time and, and, and some of it is, is trying to help scale down some of the thinking and when, like, actually, cause I, there's this weird thing that I think can happen, particularly in this scenario, you are, you know, talked about where if the campus is say 120 people, they're, they're, relying on the systems of a church of 2000 people, which means they're ignoring people. They're not actually yeah. doing what's, you know, size appropriate to their campus, which is you, yes. should, you need to actually get out and reach out to people. And like, you need to do what a, a church planner of 120 person church plant does, which is have someone over to your house every Sunday after lunch, um, you know, after church, like you got to do all of that personal stuff. Um, that is not typically done, obviously isn't done in a church of a few thousand. And, and there's, you know, there's a ton there. I love that you, you know, were pushing on that. And I think a part of that from yeah. my experience has been that the, on the, before they even launch, it's building a system for launch that gets us beyond um, that 200 mark that, that gets us beyond that, you know, huge, you know, barrier. And, you know, my experience has been that the, the, the success factor of the launch of these things is both the size and the health of the core team that at the end of the day, getting enough people, it's not actually the campus pastor. It's, it's actually the size and health of the team of volunteers that are going to make this thing work. Um, And if you, if it's, if that atrophies at the front end, um, you know, that's a problem. And a lot of times the lead pastor of a church, like you described of a few thousand people, it's been a long time since that person's had to recruit volunteers. And so they're, they're not coaching. They don't know how to coach someone on how to do that. Um, because they don't, they don't do that regularly. Um, yeah, I'm, 100%. I'm going to stop and let you talk. <laughs> no, man, no, this is, this is awesome. So two things on that note, then on the one hand, I think for every campus pastor who I have just spelt, you know, we have just spelt out their situation. This is what I I would encourage you to ask the lead pastor next time you get together. Hey, when 
this campus or when this church was the size of this campus. Oh, so good. What did you do to grow the church? Right. And let's say the senior pastor or lead pastor wasn't there when it was that size. Then you're like, okay, when, when this church went through its heyday of, of, you know, double digit growth every single year, because a lot of times it doesn't, it's, it hasn't continued, especially in the last few years. What did you do? Right. Because a lot of times it's this, it's this unconscious, Hey, lead pastor, if you're leading it this way, then the campus pastor feels like, Hey, I'm kind of like the lead pastor of this church. Of, of this campus, shouldn't I operate in the same way? So have conversations like that so that campus pastor, you can help, you can kind of lead up and help your lead pastor help work through those those situations. And maybe the lead pastor's never really said that to you, but if you have that difference in size dy- dynamic, they probably have thought of it, uh, if, the, if not right now, right? Right, absolutely. So that's, that's great. Yeah. So that's the first thing. The second thing you said about the launch is huge. Right, having to launch over 200 because getting over that barrier is so critical. I mean, if you are, for example, I mean, if you launch with under 50, that's just like a death sentence mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for a multi site church. And, and, you know, wanting to clarify, there's nothing wrong with a church of 50, no, but you probably shouldn't be paid within a multi-site church context if you're a pastor of a church of 50. You know, you can be a mid-sized community leader, you can be a volunteer leader, you can do this, that, or the other, but um, within a multi-site context, that doesn't really work, mm-hmm. right? It's different if you're pastoring a church of 50 or a church of 100, and and that's a completely different situation. But in a multi-site context, there are definitely some of those differences. So in light of that, Yes, definitely launch over 200. But I don't think that success for every campus is getting to the size of the thousand, thousand person mothership. Right. No, and there's I, I, nothing I, wrong with Yeah. No, absolutely. In fact, we see statistically that's actually not the case typically. Now, it happens sometimes, but, you know, I've ended up, you know, I've run into churches where they, they just assumed that would happen, that it was like, well, we're going to launch this thing. And three years later, this new thing will be the same size as this thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, that could happen. And we see those examples. Um, but when you look at kind of what's a more normative experience, that's, that's, not, that's not the normal experience that we see uh, out there. Uh, why don't we change gears a little bit just as we, you know, kind of come, you know, we'll, I want to come back to the campus pastor thing, but I want to kind of ask another kind of area um, that I'm seeing increasingly is just this whole um, kind of push towards multi-site in rural context. So multi-site started as a suburban phenomena and has, you know, has really infected all kinds of different, um, you know, kind of segments of uh, the culture. But I feel like I keep having, and it could be just the circle I'm running in, I keep having conversations with more rural or, and I always say to these folks, I'm like, it's not really rural. It's like this weird, they're like small communities. They're not, you know, there may be a community of 5,000, you know, to 6,000, somewhere in that range. And there's and they're dotted across the Midwest, and churches are trying to figure out how do we do camp, you know, churches in these these locations. Are you seeing that dynamic? And what are some of the things uh, that you think might you know work great for multi site in those kind of you know scenarios or, or areas where maybe it might struggle? Uh, a church may struggle to do multi site in. Yeah, it's. I mean, I'm. I'm. Maybe we're in the same conversations, but you know, that's that's something that I'm hearing quite a bit. And and what's interesting about my observations in this is I, I feel like before the rural uh, kind of multi-site conversation kind of started hitting the surface, 
I I would hear le- more and you know less and less video and more and more hybrid slash live teaching mm. is is where I continue to see new multi site churches go toward if they're just getting into multi site or they're about to launch their second or third campus not necessarily among those who had been doing multi site for ten fifteen years mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but more among the newer churches that were doing that so that was the conversation on the one hand I'd begun noticing and observing but then on the other hand when it comes to rural multi site it's video right right i'm hearing so much more video directed toward the rural multi site cuz you think about a community of 5 6000 people or even if it's 10 15000 and they i mean they're driving i mean when you're in a community like that you're likely not going to stay within a 5 minute i mean everything is not likely in your town Right, right. So you're driving 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes regularly to go here or there to the movie theater or or this way or that. And that's just a part of regular life. So why not drive to church, right? Mm-hmm. Why not do that? So that's where a lot of these suburban churches are experiencing success planting in rural context, planting campuses in rural context with video because there's lower overhead and there's already this sense of brand recognition where the guys are coming anyway from that side. Mm -hmm. Uh, The the thing that I feel like any church who is doing this has to do though, and they have to navigate this really well, Mm -hmm. they need to put themselves in the shoes of the local church pastors in that rural context. Mm. And they need to feel and see it from their perspective. And this is how you do it, right? If you're a church in a suburban context and you're a couple thousand people because you're thinking of doing multi-site or maybe a thousand, how would you feel if Life Church set up a campus right down the street from you? Yes. Right. Right. That feeling you have right now <laughs> is likely what that rule, what those rural churches feel when you go and plan to campus there. So Either you or the campus pastors that's going to go, you just have to spend a lot of time building those relational ties, connecting with the other pastors, sharing your vision, and just being as open-handed as you can. Because ultimately, you're not there to st- – now, obviously, some of their people might come over, but you're not there to steal their people. Mm-hmm. But you're saying, no, oh, we want to plant a campus here in this rural context because we have a core group of people who are driving this much distance to come to ours. And we want to help reach the lost and partner together in your neighborhood. So how do we best do that? Right. Absolutely. That's great. I literally was just with a church in West Virginia and they were, it's that same kind of context where they're, you know, thinking exactly what you're saying. It's interesting you say that because I, I would echo that. I've noticed that there, the, the few churches that I've either worked with or I've had conversations with that are in that context. Um, I, I usually in most multi-site conversations, I'm like, prefacing like, Hey, this isn't about video. Like there's lots of ways to do this. And like, you know, you don't, you know, only 15% of all multi-site churches just use video. Then most of you are doing some sort of mixture of both. But I do find that actually, now that you say that the churches that are in this kind of more rural context, they're like, they've skipped right over that question. Like, of course we're going to be video. Like they're, you know, that's just an assumed thing. Yeah. That's definitely what we're going to do. And we're we're trying to figure out the campus pastor's role because maybe the campus is going to be a little smaller. And so they're going to have a wide variety of things. And so there's no question that they want the campus they want to be able to leverage that in that location. There's also an yeah. interesting thing happening culturally where, and again, I've seen this, I saw this in West Virginia, I've seen this in the Midwest, where the people who live in these communities, and I and I have yet to have anyone express this to me in a way that, like, it's, it's purely just on a feeling, but there are, there's a whole segment of people who are choosing to live in these communities that are 
I would say it's like a different rural population in air quotes than it was say 20 years ago. Oh, because 100%. of the pervasiveness of the internet, because of the, you know, the, because Amazon will deliver to everyone's door. Um, you know, there are a whole segment of people who I would say are cosmopolitan, you know, they might even they might even work on some sort of international team because they you know you just use the internet to connect with them but they're choosing to live on 3 acres and yeah. a you know and a septic tank and love it like and can't even believe how great that is it's um, like the chip and joanna Gaines effect yes exactly that's a good that's a i'm going to steal that because there is that there's a lot of that and and frankly though a lot of those people um look at what a you know a multi-site church from a from a different context or from a suburban context feel like that feels like home and we get to do it with 122 people or you know 210 people rather than 2000 and this is exactly what I'm looking for yeah so so going along with that uh with that phenomenon or or that trend is on the other side with social media we are so we 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 feel so connected to so many different people yeah. Right. But I feel with that and with being ever connected online and having so many Instagram, Twitter, Facebook friends and all that stuff, I feel like there's this push toward, hey, what does it look like to actually uh, grow deeper and connect and do life with a few people over a longer period of time? Right. So I feel like there's definitely that. But also, you know what, Rich, it's hilarious, right? So I grew up in Vancouver and mm-hmm you know, a few million people there my entire life. And and then I, I moved down to Nashville, right? Just outside of Nashville four and a half years ago. And and the, the part of Nashville that I live in is just outside mm-hmm. is what, 25,000 people. Right. The county is 50, 60,000 people. Right. And it's the smallest area I have ever lived in. There's no bus system. I like, I can't believe it. Like, I'm like, how is this so small? And, <laughs> And one of the things that I've observed, and I think this is huge for the rural multi-site context, is indie restaurants, local restaurants don't succeed. Mm, Interesting. And it's like, oh, well, look, there's a new new restaurant coming in and everyone's talking about it. And and I'm like, what? It's a White Castle? Mm, What? It's a, you know, which is like a, yes, subpar burger chain joint. (laughs) Yes. Sliders, man. Sliders. Yeah. (laughs) Sliders or a crystal. And then, and then, and then they put in a crystals and I'm like, dude, you guys are like the exact same thing. Right. And you guys are both coming in here. And then you have this indie restaurant where everyone's super excited about this local restaurant coming in, but they don't survive. Wow. That's fascinating. (laughs) Because it doesn't work. Right. So it's interesting how chains are and franchises are just capitalizing on these small towns right i mean you know a rural town has made it when they get a starbucks yeah right right because they probably already have a subway yes but when they have a starbucks they've made it yes <laughs> well and that's true you know and we're so very similar we live in a similar kind of context we're in a in a different we're you know thirty thousand people side of a lake you know it's it's a summer town kind of thing and a starbucks opened and now there's the local kind of Starbucks, the guy who's trying to bake, basically make it like a Starbucks. He seems to still yeah, be doing okay. okay, but I'm like, oh, I wonder how long that's been. And and this week was the first time, you know what? I went and spent half a day and just sat and worked there because it's this warm envelope of Starbucks goodness um, yes. that that I've you know I'm used to in other contexts. So 
Fascinating. Well, I, you know, I think there's so much there. Why don't we just loop back on the campus pastor front? I know Lifeway has a resource that I want to make sure people know about. It's a, uh, it's a campus pastor course really designed to help campus pastors. Can you tell us about that resource? Why did you, you know, what have you guys done in it? Give us a sense of kind of what is covered in it. How could people find it? That sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. So we basically, newchurches.com is uh, the platform where we do church planting and multi-site. And a lot of, when you go on there, it'll feel very much more oriented toward church planting. But um, having talked about my background and, and the vision of this whole thing, we wanted to create a a course to develop campus pastors. Going back to what you were saying, right? I mean, a lot of times there's so much similarity between campus pastoring and church planning, but it's not the same. And so how do you raise up campus pastors? Is it great student pastors? Is it associate pastors? Is this that or the other? So knowing uh, that there is a gap there and also within a Bible college seminary context, we basically worked with um, the guy, Chris Kuba, who wrote a dissertation on campus pastor competencies. Mm-hmm. And we brought in a few other people and we said, hey, what would it look like if we were to uh, design a course just to help a campus pastor do their job well from a competency standpoint? So it wasn't it wasn't really focused on a video or live teaching or this, that or the other. But what are the nuts and bolts around just leading a campus well? So that's newchurches.com slash campus pastor. Love it. Yeah, I would love to encourage people to check that out. We'll link to that in the show notes as well. You know, there are, um, you know, even today we were kind of talking about and joking about that this is an area where, you know, there pe- people have some pain. Hey, how can I help provide, provide some coaching? This would be a great, um, you know, resource. Heartily endorse New Churches. It's a fantastic resource. Um, you know, there's so much there, podcasts and great blogs. And you guys are always cranking out great content. And even, you know, I have a good friend of mine who, you know, church planted in Florida or is in the process of church planting in Florida. And they, you know, right from the beginning, I was like, you got to, you know, suck up everything that Daniel does because it's, uh, it's amazing. So, uh, so I would encourage people to check that. And like I say, we'll link to it in the show notes. Uh, if people want to track along with you, kind of stay connected, how can they do that? What's the best way they can do that? Anything else you want to say as we wrap up? Yeah. Yeah. Danielm.com. Last name is two letters. I am. And that's, if you go there, you can see what I write and there are links to Instagram, Twitter, and the podcast that I do with my wife and all that. So it's just super easy, danielm.com. And I'd love to connect. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Daniel. I really appreciate being on the show today. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Don't be shy. We'd love to connect. Check out Unseminary Inbox. You can sign up at unseminary.com and we'll send you helpful training resources every week. Plus, you'll gain immediate access to our exclusive members area with tons of resources you can use. Connect with Rich on Twitter at Rich Birch or through email rich at unseminary.com Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode at unseminary.com It includes links to what we talked about today and more. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Did you enjoy today's episode? Drop by iTunes and leave a review. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Join us next week when we'll learn more stuff we wish they taught in seminary.